Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the game streams, website, and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 124 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on March 8th, 2018, over on twitch.tv focusfirechat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for joining us for an evening back in the tower. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who, it has been said, has the, the voice of the flower and definitely not the personality of one, an individual who goes by many names, Justin Sane0516. Justin, what guys do you have on for us tonight? I am Bariana 3. We have Light and Fury. That'll be enough, I think, for a podcast. I'm sorry. Right? I'm just I'm proud that I made my way through that much of the intro without breaking. Good job. Good job. Uh, That's growth. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside us, we also have our master of social media, the one and only Green Eye Music Lover. Green, hope you're doing well tonight. Are you looking forward to the chat tonight? You mean having an opportunity to just kind of poke at Beard all night long because we're talking about his stuff? I was worried there that we weren't going to have the one Warlock on for the Warlock episode. You know, I mean, we got we keep catching like a whole bunch of uh, flack for not having a Titan on our Titan podcast. I'm just glad we have. I mean, I love the fact that we are mostly hunters, but I'm kind of glad we have a little bit more diversity. (laughs) The Titans aren't needed anyway. It's still Oh, okay. Titan is my second. You take that back. Nope. I will defend nope. that. Nope. 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 Just, nope. just be glad that I have the ability that I can at least play a hunter at some point or another and be okay with that fact, all right? I am going to sick waning on you. Oh, oh, okay. That's nice. She'll just pour me a cold one and it'll be fine we'll get yeah, along probably and yeah, exactly. shoot me with their her with her garbage grenade launcher yeah i'm gonna say i'm not really scared of that thing to begin with <laughs> yeah well Fair. obviously we also have with us the grizzly bearded cultivator of spin foil beard grizzly beard how are you doing tonight i am doing pretty okay and the only reason that i'm doing pretty okay is because my sister has to go home tomorrow Oh, and that's never It has fun. been an absolutely wonderful month and a half of her being home. Uh, it has absolutely been the reason that I have not had really any content go up on the channel in the last and a half. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's bittersweet because I know she needs to get home. Uh, she's got she's got her own things she needs to take care of uh, tonight. Though I I totally forgot that Resident Evil Seven came out with some DLC, and she had bought me that game last year when she had come home. So tonight, that's what we were doing for a couple hours, was just blitzing through all of that, which is the reason I was a little late tonight. Again, scaring all you hunters, because apparently you need to rely on a warlock to do your job. Hey! Hey! I mean, somebody had to say it. Hey! Oh, if if you want to allow three hunters to write your history, 
<laughs> no. Go on. I, I can barely allow Pancake to go ahead and write his own epic. Like, no. No. Okay. No. Okay, you he act like you're doing us a, a favor. This is self-preservation. <laughs> this you're doing is self-preservation. <laughs> I will not stand having any hunters write anything for me. Okay. <laughs> and you can't oh. have the Titans do it because they couldn't spell it. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Oh. See? Ouch. I think Pins is going to hurt you for that one. Ah. Books? No. Rocks. Books. No, Fist. no, it was rocks. No, books. Books for the Titans. There it is. I had to think on the exact quote. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, man. <laughs> last week we asked the community who was their favorite warlock, and the responses are in, and that answer was what do we got for us green frankly we had a lot of people write in which granted twitter polls only allow you four choices so i just kind of mm-hmm. picked four ones that we four of them that we see most often ish except for one of them which has just kind of been a pain in everybody's side um Tolan, um the winner of the poll between osiris Tolan, asher and ikora was Toland with 36%, Osiris coming in close behind with 27, then Ikora at 26. For a while there, Toland and Osiris were tied for quite a while, and we had over 100 people submit. Uh, as far as like the write-ins, Ulan Tan was definitely one of the more prominent ones that were written in. Uh, Uni, Unisys actually wrote in Toland, uh, JC wrote in Asher. In this one, I'm I'm including JC's little quote for you because she's she likes beard. Um, I know I'm in the minority, but I like Asher mostly because of his grumpiness makes me laugh. But I'm also enjoyed. But I also enjoyed learning more about him while playing too. And Rhino says Ulantan because he's the OG. Is that how you do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, gee. No, you did a I mean, rap last week. Yeah. Are we going to put those up somewhere for people? I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get them put on YouTube. Okay. This week This week was a little busy. Yeah, it's been crazy. But yeah, uh, most people were happy to say Toland, the traitorish warlock. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Once well, again, evil prevails. Evil prevails. No. Just so, chaotic. Anyway. Where yeah. is your light now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we appreciate, obviously, the feedback on those. Uh, this week's question to the community, I, I actually, I really like the one that Green has for us. Um, mm-hmm. What does the horse represent in the spire? So if you don't remember what our topic is for next week, that would be a really confusing question. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it in the intro here in a second to the housekeeping okay. notes. Okay. But no, see, I, you took all the fun out of it. I want people confused. Yeah. Well, horses uh, traditionally in <laughs> here folklore. Here we go. Here we go. And, Not yet. And That's next week. They've, they've, they've symbolized evil <laughs> and um, deviousness. Justin. Yeah. Do we need to get you another counseling session? No. 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 The last one, 
I I do believe the words of the last counselor were terminally untreatable. (laughs) Okay. Well, at least I know that money was well spent. I told her that it, I told her that I had been tested. Okay. Your mother had you tested. My mother had me tested and that I was okay. You're not crazy. It's okay. Continue. (laughs) Play me off, Johnny. Oh man. So we're looking forward to diving into the discussion. I know the team is here as well. So let's go through the intro notes real quick and then we'll get right into it. The topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at the updates in Destiny 2 to the Warlock class. Before we jump into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes to run through. In our last chat, we discussed biases in lore. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of FocusFire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate, and if you can, review the show in iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful, as they help us show up on charts, and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you again. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering, where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. Podcasts focused on Destiny include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, which is a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny One, and the network's newest edition, This Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardian's perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We do also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the updates to the nine, so be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you would like to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter at FocusFireChat or within our Discord server. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of tonight's topic, and this is what she had to say. Ulanton, Ashermir, Ikora Ray, Toland, Osiris, Thelwinter, Ariana Three, all notable warlocks, but for very different reasons. Whether you embrace the Praxic Fire or prefer a more indirect approach, as a warlock, your legacy lies in both your intelligence and your brutal efficiency. Our update in D2 on the Warlock goes beyond the subclass into legends themselves, both a spotlight on their past and honoring their future. Like Ikora Ray said, I tell my younger self, there will be plenty of time to settle down. For now, 
Enjoy the ride. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about warlocks, however, let's look at this week's Lost Lore. So I believe this week's Lost Lore, we should look at the Grove of Ulantan, I think. Green, do you want to kind of walk us through that one for us? Oh, can. I was just wanting to mainly, I mean, the Grove of Ulantan. Okay. Step back a little bit. Grove of Ulantan is on Io. It Mm -hmm. is within the, give me a second to pull up the map. It is in the Lost Oasis section. It's the first Lost Sector on the far left after you boot in. It's the one I always run to in Io when I have to do Lost Sectors because it's the, the quickest one to get to. But um, it has generally Vex inhabiting it. And there's a lot of blue liquidy stuff. But who is or who was Ulantan? Beard. You want to do the honors? <clears throat> what was that? I'm sorry. I said, who was Ulantan? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You you opened the uh, mm-hmm. good one on this one. I even have the cards and the, the show notes for you if you want to pull them up. I have them open already, actually. Uh, nice. I was, I was actually ahead of the game this time. Yay! Which is a, a shocker. Nah, um, not so shocking. Uh, the uh the big thing with Ulantan, uh he's dead. Uh unfortunately we don't know how he died, and that actually kind of colludes some of the mystery and and really kind of wraps him into this like, different vicinity. Uh it, it's a, a weird place for a, a warlock to be in a lot of ways because we're we're used to at least having some some sort of like face to face with at least a good majority of them. And, and this is even saying that we've had some like fair, fair face to face, if you will, with Toland, but it's more so through Eris, mm-hmm. uh, with Ulantan, all we get is a lot of stuff through either quest text or through some of the mission log. Uh, and we also see some stuff that actually starts to corroborate my, uh, my big thinking on, you know, why the, the speaker is kind of the way that he is, which is funny that Olentan was the one that really kind of made that one slip. Uh, Ghost ends up referencing that the speaker is the one that's responsible for thinking about the ideas of light being interconnected across uh, all realms, even throughout the void or otherwise. Uh, it was, in fact, Olentan that had come up with that idea, told the speaker, and the speaker ended up claiming it as his own thoughts. Gotta love it. Love the love the speaker. He's a great guy. Uh, the biggest thing about Olentan, however, and and that's kind of where it comes down to. He studied the ideas of light, and he he studied the properties of light a little bit further than I would argue to say that most other warlocks had done before. Uh, he was kind of a radical in in how he thought on his stuff, uh, and and so much so that a lot of his thinkings were 
uh, very very outlandish. But largely, the the large thing with Owen Tan was that he felt that, and this is the the big reason that people kind of feared him towards the end of everything, and even after the uh, the symmetry was founded, uh, he he had actually believed that both light uh, and dark cannot exist without the other. And of course, it's that obvious parallel that we see throughout fantasy, or even with uh, with with modern age science that we see constantly. Uh, and that actually is showcased with something like the Symmetry Flight, uh, mm -hmm. which is a Destiny 2 ship that we actually have. Uh, as... Obligatory dog barks. Morph, morph. It's mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a drink of water. I'm actually going to read over uh, Symmetry Flight then. So uh, if you want to do that uh, that thing you do, Blue. Oh, yeah. What does the text say? Look at me keeping this uh, this this podcast. You're getting, you're getting good at this. It's like you've done this before. <laughs> uh, all right. So again, this is the symmetry flight, and this is a lore tab that is uh, introduced in Destiny Two on the on the new ship. Uh, to have light, we must have dark. This is the symmetry of the universe. Controversial warlock Ulan Tan. I propose a simple experiment. Look around. You see light. You see darkness. There could not be one without the other. They are two sides of the same coin. If it is true for these Newtonian echoes, why would it not be true of the purest paracausal forms? Therefore, I conclude, the reason you persecute me is not because of the symmetry. It's because of the truth beyond this truth. The truth which you most dread. If we could destroy darkness, but we had to give up our light to do so, how many of us would make that trade? And of course, this is where the ideas of the symmetry are, are completely born, but it's the largest thing that Ulantan is pretty well known for, is this idea that both light and dark, again, are, are kind of mixed together into the, the universe within. And it's a balance that effectively can... Uh, to still be there or still needs to be weighed because if one is snuffed out, the other could possibly not exist. That's the whole uh, exact vicinity behind the ideas of symmetry. Because contrary to what anybody may end up thinking or feeling, the ideas of darkness and the ideas of light, if darkness were to somehow snuff out light, it wouldn't be that darkness would be the only thing left. You would have nothingness. And that is a vast difference. Mm -hmm. So the largest thing to kind of keep in mind is the ideas that Owen Tan was basically pushed away, if you will, because of these controversial thoughts. But he was still referenced often by Ikora. He was still referenced often by the speaker. Uh, there are there are many others that still look back at his uh, teachings and philosophies. Uh, and this actually comes back to the uh, the card Chamber of Night, uh, or really the mission Chamber of Night. I always, mm -hmm. I always forget that that's a very important one. But in this mission, and this comes back to what uh, the speaker had kind of coalesced as his own wording for, for the way that light is able to, to intermingle across any length of space and time. Uh, the Chamber of Night spot uh, is where we end up finding the Shard of the Traveler. And this is basically the thing to me that states that if if not everything of Olin Tan is proven fact, 
then at least the large majority of it is. And this is why I personally start to kind of hold a lot of his word, a lot of his ideas more to fact than I would even hold Osiris. And that's that's saying something, because Osiris, of course, as we know, is a very big thinker. But Ulan is, to me, so important to our full understanding of light and dark that he basically bridged that gap where Toland was too concerned with the Hive to think on their, their throne realms and ascendant planes, while Osiris is too busy thinking about the Vex and understanding that they are the quote-unquote pure evil that may exist in the universe. Ulan is focusing more on the, the paracausal physical, if you will. Uh, it, is, it is more that he is focusing more heavily on those ideas that actually matter back to us, and I, I love that. Mm-hmm. But Justin, I think you, you had something on that? No, I was just going to say uh, Ulantan deals at a much more meta level right. of, of everything, whereas Osiris got, you know, Osiris and Tolan got real granular in their dissection of the hive and the vex they they get really in depth into those little niches but ulantan is more of a his philosophy is more of a uh overarching um metaphysical theory than than you know like a specialized way of thinking mm-hmm. um and it's it's not an entirely novel um theory i mean it's 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 a trope that's been you know that's it's been trotted out for for a good long while Mm -hmm. um but uh his application of it is is i think where what lands him in the in the position where most of the most of the vanguard view him as being kind of dangerous and his teachings and i've i've always found it kind of interesting that his teachings have been have been thought to have been so dangerous because they seem so common sense, mm-hmm. but it seems to incite fear. Um, well, when you suggest that the darkness isn't inherently wrong, but rather it's completely natural. Well, and to follow follow up on that point, quick and green, I know you've you've got a got something you wanted to add. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the same thing happened with most scientists mm-hmm. of ancient. Uh, either ancient Earth or even you know modern day Earth uh, from Renaissance period and beyond, the idea effectively that their thoughts had the same implication that they were that dangerous. That's where Olentan kind of reminds me of. Uh, I'll at least pull this name: the Fraunhofers of the day. Mm. Uh, Fraunhofer actually had so many uh, and. Before I get like fully invested on this science tangent, uh, Fraunhofer was able to look over, uh, look through panes of glass and be able to tell the light spectrum, look at a star and effectively say what that star is made out of. And these lines are, are at least and have been cataloged for years, and we can't really find another system that works better. Uh, but the the idea that again light connects all of us, Fraunhofer proves that more than some others do. Uh, it is it is not, as uh, Justin had said, a a terribly new concept. 
but it's imagining and the way that Olentan has the capability to imagine it as it is here today with the Traveler is very important. This this still comes back to what Ikora did with Circles. That means a big deal just as much. And these are the interweavings of how like the the warlocks have to effectively like build their theories, build their uh build their concepts is based off of the the metaphysical that we see or they have to lose themselves in in an otherworldly madness and and have to break themselves off from from what we see i.e. with Toland or or borderline heavily with Osiris. Uh anyway, before I keep going with other tangent screen, you had something else. Uh I was actually going to pose a question slash um possible spin foil with the Ulantan's Grove. Mm-hmm. Right away when D2 dropped, a lot of people assumed that the grove was his resting place. I'd like to posit another possibility. I think it's the place he did his meditations to come up with his theory. Because if you go into the deep area of it and defeat the keeper, the Vex Mm -hmm. keeper, and just stand around and kind of just view the area, it feels like you're underwater. You, and the reason why you're not actually underwater, you're not even, if you, you have to stand outside of the little blue, uh, liquid light type stuff, but you see the light and darkness play throughout the cavern and it feels very underwater ocean like. And it makes me wonder if Ulan was actually sitting here and reflecting on the play between the two and how they interplay with each other. Because you have this little lake in the middle of this this cave, this cavern that feels very much so like it's underwater, but it's not. It It's literally just the play between the light and the dark and how they have to be together in this area. And you see everything undulating, like literally the rocks move with this darkness and light playing on each other. Mm. But it's just a, it's another possibility as to what the grove is, was formerly used for. Like if he actually used it as a meditation space, it would be a well, kind of a fun life. I'm going to say as blue is, uh, has been pointing out in chat here too. Warlocks are mostly buried on IO, not at least all of them, but at least the major ones that have their their bodies uh, recovered. Yes, they're they're pretty well uh, buried on. Uh, to say that the areas that they uh, that they have, because I I feel that there is a reason that the Grove of Ulantan is his resting place. Uh, that would be a very good connection. As to as to that being the case, just it being a way, a place where he was formulating his thoughts and ideas, uh, the place that you know being able to view the traveler's light and then see how it acts and see how it changes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I could easily see that. Blue, I think you had something. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I was gonna say um, we know that the the planet of Io or the moon of Io, I guess. Um, is extremely important to the warlocks because it was the last really big resting place of the traveler. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, like the Titans being buried at the wall because they hold it as the pinnacle of their, their group existence pretty much. 
uh, warlocks are buried on Io for the for pretty same reason. The warlocks hold that completely. That that location is very sacred, and the idea of a grove or a sacred resting spot being larger than just you know the the modern the modern concept of a graveyard is the um, the uh, just the grave site. Um, that's actually not the case in a lot of, in a lot of like, especially for what Beard was saying, especially for, um, very important figures. It was very common for there to be very ceremonial areas. Um, and you know, I mean, just look at, for example, the pyramids from Egypt, you know, these are massive tombs. Uh, you have, uh, the passage tombs in the European countries. Uh, you have, um, uh, catacombs in the Italian area and well, actually most of Europe as well. Uh, you have, you know, bone chapels in, in most of Western Europe. And this, this is a, this is a concept that as a society is not anything new, just like what you guys were talking about with the, the symmetry, um, concept of light and dark. That's not, that's not anything new. It's, it's a way of us posthumously showing respect to the dead and, you know, and remembering them. Um, but another thing too, going back to the comment about the symmetry being such a dangerous thing, the other thing you have to remember is the, the social, um, context in which the city existed at the time that Ulantan was kind of in, in power and I guess quote in power, um, they were at war. And the thing is, is when you're at war, if you are, if you have someone who is going around preaching about how you can't defeat an enemy without defeating yourself, that's not very, very good morale boost for your soldiers. So if you think about it from a military standpoint, it's not it's not going to behoove you to have a figure of prominent power or prominent placement that is saying that the only way to defeat the darkness is to you know trade in your light when when the light is the only weapon really that you have that is effective against that. Um, you know, and so that's that's also another kind of political bend to the whole thing with Ulantan is that it may be not that the philosophical statements were were dangerous. It was that the the context in which he was saying them that those particular statements were very um, threatening to maybe a very thin veneer of calm and you know the illusion of peace that the city had. So there, there is that. And, and, you know, again, to go back to the thing about the speaker. Yeah. I mean, the speaker, well, we can, you know, hash out how, how he did it. But at the point in time that this was all happening, he was at war. Like this entire city was at war and they still are technically, but it was even more in desperate straits than they are today. So anything to keep peace was pretty much I get I get the feeling that anything that kept the peace was pretty much sanctioned and you know that doesn't always mean that good things kept the peace uh but so um oh and and so green's asking where it was said that the warlocks were buried um I want to say that it was a comment from Ikora I thought it was yeah, in I, I think it was in a, a transcript and I'm going to have to, I'm going through some of the missions right now, just trying to find the transcript that would say it right now. I haven't found it yet, but I am going to keep looking. 
because I don't know if we actually have a flat out somebody saying it. It's just I, it's one of the things I want to confirm. Yeah, I've heard it, but I can't remember if it was like full interview or if it was something that was uh, that was actually said in game. I just know for a fact that I'm not like making it up in my mind. I've heard it leaves. Uh, but yeah, it would take me a little time to dig to find, but I know, I know it's. If you are out there, podcast listeners, and you know where that's at and you want to help us out, that would be super, super helpful. Uh, just at me at Twitter or get a hold of me in the discord. I'd, I'd like to know where that's actually said just for my own canon continued canyon and i know there's a few of you out there who like to share that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. definitely yeah, same, same drop a note too. at us mm-hmm. yeah because i'm but i'm racking my brain and i can't remember it's where sac- it it's the mission is sacrilege that we find that um all guardians hold io sacred uh warlocks no no it says guardians Ghost says, Io, the whole place hums with the energy left behind the traveler's unfinished work. No wonder guardians consider this site sacred. Mm-hmm. But Ikora in the mission says that it's very... Yeah, warlike, no, I think I think the... Yeah, sure. yeah. But, yeah, it's one of those things that we'll have to continually search, and our job is never done when it comes to transcribing. <laughs> Diving into it. Now yeah, is. no, that's that is definitely true. But yeah, I'm, I'm with Beard. I'm like, I know I've heard it. and I want to say I've heard it too, but I want to... Yeah, I want to confirm I, it. Mm-hmm. I really I really want to say it was more so said in an interview somewhere. I don't believe it is said anywhere. But I could be, I could be wrong on that idea. And even then, it, it could have been something where they... Uh, that That's the problem with like the taking interviews is the idea of canon. Uh, is they could have meant, you know, warlocks take it as sacred, and then in-game it says guardians take it as sacred. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. obviously, of course, that ends up changing the, the meaning behind it. Uh, obviously, it's a very, like, Echo Mesa and Io are very important spots for uh, guardians, the tower, for the city, uh, as it marked a, a farther standpoint for where uh, humanity had been beforehand. And for us to be able to get out that far again is very important as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the place that the Traveler had last touched is also very important because we obviously see how like out, outlandishly crazy the planet is with the Traveler's life and just how like nutsed up it is because it's just it, the, the either terraforming didn't work out so well, which, again, we'll get back to with Titan on several occasions, uh, or there's some other reason that that much energy is stowed inside the moon. It's, uh, it's, it's questioned. Well, that and it just, the whole planet seems like a dried up ocean. Mm-hmm. That's well, one of the things I love about it. Is it, I feel like I'm constantly in this underground or like under the sea bed type stuff mm-hmm. all over the place. Modern day IO has, uh, has some very real reasons for that. And that's, that goes back to the uh, to the design team, the art team, for doing the research and like how IO is today from the, mm-hmm. the scans that we've been able to get of. And there's there's a lot of it. It feels like yes, it does feel like it's like under underwater a lot of times, but there's 
there's no water to really be found uh, no. except for I believe liquid nit uh is it liquid nitrogen is is found at uh, in, certain places or liquid methane it's uh, in one of the moons of Jupiter, so that would not surprise mm-hmm. me either one of those it, it's it's trace amounts I know, and it there's like a couple places that have some fair heavy light, but apart from that yeah there's uh i I, I don't want to start talking about it because I don't have it all in front of me, and I haven't looked at Io in a little while, but they do a very good job of, I know, correlating everything and making it feel like how Io would be if somebody actually put an atmosphere around it. Mm-hmm. It is definitely one of the the locations that I want to learn a lot more about. Yeah. I would, with the exception of Titan, it is the place i want to learn more about well and arguably you want to know more about titan because of the arcology you don't really want to know about it too much about the planet itself meanwhile i'm looking at it going how did we lose all that land on titan Mm -hmm. what the heck guys well the interesting thing about io is that uh in game it's kind of that bluish color um Mm -hmm. in reality io is actually kind of red because of Mm -hmm. all the sulfur so it, yeah, it's the, an, the the changes that could yeah, have happened with because Jupiter the Jupiter's the, gravitational pull just like constantly screwing with it, right? Also, fun little fact on Io: it is the only location in game where one of those orreys, those little miniature scannable orreys, there's one that's actually active. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it's in the Lost Oasis. It's kind of above the Ulantan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, well, yeah. you want to jump real quick into the lore entries that we got in regards to Warlocks per- in particular? We can. For cool. sure. Which one do you guys want to start with? We have, actually, I think we have, what, three? We have Wings of the Sacred Dawn, Curse of Foresight, and the Bond of the Emperor. And just to be clear, uh, there's a lot of flavor text that we got. Uh, If you want to look at that, I did link the mind map in my Twitter account earlier. Or just hit me up. There's a lot of flavor text to dig through as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, these are the three main lore entries that we've gotten. And I'm trying to remember, I think the Wings of Sacred Dawn is particularly about um is actually probably Proxy. one of the ones. Yeah, well it's it's I'm just thinking real quick. Um I think it's one of the ones that really focuses on the warlock itself. Mm-hmm. Um whereas the other two are kind of like their exotic gear for the warlock, but not necessarily about the warlock, if that makes sense. Well, there's the one that it's, we have a few of the the lore entries that talk about the student and the master. This is the more serious one. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's the, the other one is not as serious. It's more quite hilarious actually from a teacher perspective. Yeah. Sword. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the dawn blade one isn't it yeah i yeah. think that yeah it's the one where he's like he's he's lecturing the student what do you want me to read it real quick they, for or do you want me to read the wings of sacred dawn 
Might as well. We'll start there. All right. What does the text say? There will come a day when the light will never fade. The parable of the venging fire as interpreted by Pajari. A young warlock travels to her mentor, seeking the truth of the praxic fire. A wildfire rages in a valley nearby. Her mentor points to the billowing smoke, saying, This is the praxic fire. Go and learn what you can. And the student returns to her teacher, saying, Master, the fire does not ask, the fire acts. That is the truth. Her mentor laughs, and the flames leave the sky from the valley and surround the teacher, and the wind blows the smoke away. The old warlock, now wreathed in flame with a great outstretched wing, says, The heart of the praxic fire is the warlock. Without the warlock, the fire does not ask or act. Be the fire, or be the smoke on the wind. The cowering student stands, her palms closing into fists. Dun-dun. Constantly, like, questioning teacher. Mm. That's what I'm learning from all these warlock cards, is the warlocks are constantly badgering the teacher, like, but, Mm -hmm. but, but, but... But you said, but you said, meanwhile, the teacher's just like, hey, hey, you shut up and learn something. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Fire. (laughs) I still, I swear if that's followed up by wind, water, heart, we're going home. (laughs) No, no, this isn't Captain Planet. (laughs) With your powers combined. No. Even I veto that one. Okay. What about what about him being our hero? Gonna gonna take pollution down to something. <laughs> Zero. I mean, we, we kind of need him nowadays, but that's getting too close to real life. Yeah. Listen, yeah. listen. Yeah. We need to like just take a step back. I'm a widget, the world watcher guy, so I'm I'm not I'm not up for this conversation. Um. So um. Yeah. Just- do you want to read the Dawnblade card, Justin? I, I will. It, I put it in chat for you. I'm on it. Like yeah. peanut butter on toast. Toast. Um, gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, wow. Do you want something dry that will make you thirsty? <laughs> peanut butter on toast. It's amazing. That's why you have a glass of milk nearby. Yes, yes. Salt and lemon juice. Perfect combination. Um, so, the dawn blade. Spread your wings and set the sky ablaze. A young... Bi- <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, the hyphenate messed me up. A young, well, by Warnlock standards, apprentice holds out a hand and reaches for a flame. Nothing. The wizened teacher laughs. You're supposed to be teaching me, not laughing. The teacher's arm extends as one word hangs in the air. Sword. As quickly as it appeared, the blade vanishes. That doesn't help. Sword. In a flash, the blade appears again. This time as at the student's throat. Both pairs of eyes widened. One aghast, one aglow. Say it with me. Two voices ring. Sword. A blade appears in each outstretched hand. A pair of wings form on each warlock's back. Two warlocks take flight and vow to never again look down. 
Wow. Can I just say that this this has like a very Aladdin, I can show you the world type (laughs) feel to it. And the Disney (laughs) reference for the night. (sighs) I'm sure that's not going to be the only one. Sword. 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 It it was everything I could do to not say sword. Sword. (laughs) I was actually thinking that these cards reminded me a lot of the Stormcaller mission from D1. Yes. Mm -hmm. Has that very you are the storm feel. I can show you the sword. Shining, slicing, and dicing. Oh, that's good. Oh, God. Stop. <laughs> so, this one is Yep. Interrupting yes. Grizzly is interrupting. Sun's getting low. <laughs> no, I will, uh, I will probably. Look, every, every time, every time you pass a pun, which is gonna, gonna be the way that I, that I reference it at this point. Uh, I'm gonna just keep it in the back of my mind. I'm just gonna keep saving them up, and then eventually, something will happen. I haven't thought of what, but something will happen. At Guardian Con. Yeah, probably when I'm... Yeah. Anyway. And, and the winner for most vague threat goes to Beard Grizzly. Do the <laughs> sound blue. Do the sound blue. <laughs> Which one sound do you want me to do? <laughs> that's that's all blue's good for anymore. We keep asking him to do sounds on the soundboard. Uh, I was looking for the grizzly bear sound, but thanks. Uh, yes. So, but back on topic about this Dawnblade business. Uh, as funny as it is, I'd actually gotten to talk with uh, with Bife about this one a little bit, and something that just. Never had a place in another conversation, something that we never really could figure out, like, where to kind of place it in. But it was just a cute little fact that we thought of. What if this teacher, because we know that Osiris is effectively a Dawnblade himself, uh, one of these uh, these Dawnblades is actually Osiris. Mm-hmm. Either the uh, teacher uh, or the student. And I sat back and I thought about uh, it's a little not bit the student. more, and it would. Now I'm going to say it would definitely oh, well, not be the, the student. Oh, I guess in the wings, it's a female student. Right. So I was actually saying right. that could be um, Icora, Icora, right. and Osiris. Right, and that's where this whole discussion had kind of just started to to form up as how this would end up uh, being as like one of the first uh, the first things that. Ikora had ever witnessed, and it stands in stark difference to the fact that she then understands the ideas of the Sunsinger. Uh, that would be the thing that would kind of like drive me nuts about it. Uh, ad- additionally, though, and it kind of plays off the the other Warlock cards. However, the Voidwalker one talks about a Voidwalker that had actually seen Ikora uh, doing battle. Uh, outside with uh, when Gaul had attacked the tower. So it started to kind of play back to make a little bit more sense that it was possibly in reference to Osiris and Ikora or another warlock set that we already know of. Uh, or it could be a completely new one altogether. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a complete theory. And the only other piece of it then would come back to uh, the Stormcaller 
where we again don't necessarily know the person that learns it, but the way that everything kind of gets pushed uh, put together, we don't know the warlock that it would have been. We don't know a lot of prominent uh, stormcallers that exist outside of like Timur uh, and I think one other, but nothing within like current Tower Age. So that's where the theory kind of fell apart. Uh, but at least in terms of who it might be, at least you can kind of think about that as like a, a cute little sideline, if nothing else, because mm -hmm. the way that Osiris would act within this card, he would be, you know, he he's still pretty, he's stern, he's strong, he still wants the uh, Ikora to learn, he's still getting the point across, but he's still proving a point. Meanwhile, Ikora is... Very different Osiris, though, compared to what we know Osiris as the hardened warlock who's just kind of been thrown out of the tower type character. Well, and this this also stands in stark contrast to the first line that is basically listed. And it says, a young, by warlock standards, apprentice mm -hmm. holds out a hand and reaches for flame. So the idea would be that the teacher is also not exactly as advanced in years. Mm -hmm. uh, and this would end up playing back to Ikora being a young, iconoclastic warlock. And she is somebody that's a little bit more headstrong within her early days as we end up finding out with her time that she spends in the Crucible and so on. So it's just these, these different little ways that they might have found a way to actually incorporate that Osiris and Ikora... Uh, even before we ended up seeing it in the Curse of Osiris, were actually uh, student and teacher. Well, we I thought we had known that with D1. Wasn't Icor labeled as his student early on? There, to my think, knowledge, was I think nothing. The, that, I think it might have been a mentorship. Like, we knew... Yeah. We knew Osiris came before Ikora as far as like the Vanguard. Mm -hmm. And there was theories that I, uh, Osiris was the one that kind of calmed Ikora down from her iconoclastic ways because we right. do know that there was a warlock involved with Ikora who basically took her pretty strongly under his their wing and mm -hmm. kind of calmed her down, which of the warlocks at the time, Osiris was kind of the only one that fit the bill. For that particular thing so which i mean i i kind of want to say it's been pretty pretty subtly confirmed that that was kind of what happened okay i mean i, I that's that was that's how i read it. i mean i remembered i remember kind of what you're talking about too yeah i i can't recall anything that like absolutely puts a finger on it but there's mention of a of a mentorship as uh i think that's about as far as it ends up going fortunately i i don't think we get full confirmation at least yeah i mean it's destiny yeah i'm gonna say they they left a lot of course that was that was very open and uh, i'm as as thankful as i am for it sometimes it drives me absolutely from up, up a tree no mm-hmm uh Black Flag in chat, though, just to kind of uh, continue with the idea of the Dawnblade, since it is the the most, it's the newest and the most prevalent of the, the Warlock classes that are out there now. Uh, he asks, how many Warlocks of Legend do you believe become Dawnblades or became Dawnblades? Uh, we don't know. 
Yeah, and well, and it, I think that also begs the question of, you know, where where are you in the camp of guardians picking and sticking to one subclass? You know, yeah. which I, I I find this kind of interesting that this debate still goes on. But I mean, the Vanguard mentors are masters or are are experienced in all subclasses. I don't and efficient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I would say experience too, because they're, you know, the idea is that they're, they're mentors, they're supposed to lead. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you're just proficient, I don't, I don't know, I, I semantics on that front. Right. But, um, and then outside of that, well, Osiris, we now have, you know, solid confirmation. We kind of always knew he was a Vanguard, but, you know, but uh, outside of the Vanguard figures, Toland is... Toland and Saint-14 are really the only two other Guardians that come to mind immediately that were just as, if not more, proficient in multiple subclasses. Like, we know Wei Ning could mm-hmm. access different subclasses. We also know that Wei Ning did not like to access other subclasses. <laughs> she, you know, she she was able... Well, she wasn't actually able to summon the Word of Dawn, but she tried. Like, she could access the void but she didn't like it she she was more inclined to the striker um you know the the figures of like ariana we we don't really know enough to tell you but we do she does seem to be much more of a sun singer um you know and that and that's because i i and i go back and forth on that but um but she was definitely a solar aligned figure um you know teamer was definitely the the storm caller fell winter was kind of one of those weird ones because we don't really know what exactly he was um but we do know that he was able to do a nova bomb um you know and so he he obviously is usually associated with void um you know and 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 so on and so on so like the but that doesn't mean that the that a guardian doesn't have it's not like class right where even that is kind of open and we can mm-hmm. argue that till our, we're blue in our face um but it's not as hard set i would say it's not as as rigid not not to say that that is unbreakable but it is not as rigid as your actual class so like if you're a hunter you can dabble in all three or four however you want to label them subclasses um, but you can't really, as far as we currently see in game, you can't dabble in like warlock subclasses. Like that's that's a, and that's and that's actually. Mm-hmm. Well, no, well, okay. What about the what about the fell fell winter debate about what he could do? Well, and that's what I was about to. I was actually going to talk about that because that's actually what I'm writing on the on the website is these articles about the. Uh, the worldview and the dichotomies that each class seemed to kind of personify. Um, you know, I, I already did the Hunter article, so I'm going to, and I'm doing the Titan one right now, actually. Um, and there definitely seems to be a correlation between classes and the paradigm in which the, the character in question sees things. However, anyone who's, you know, somewhat versed in psychology understands that this doesn't mean that they're stuck. 
Like mm-hmm. you can change your worldview. I mean, if uh, if a certain traumatic event was enough, that can drastically change your psych- psychological perception of the world. And so that's where I'm kind of like, I'm not uncomfortable with the idea that guardians can even flip classes because if you view, I mean, it's just a logical progression of that, that concept. Um, but you know, to say, to say that they don't have access to other subclasses. I I mean, like I definitely see a alignment of the different subclasses with different aspects of, uh, particular spikes, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, eh, I don't know. Beard, save me. (laughs) I can go on, I can go on and on about this particular thing. So yeah, just go. You and I, at the very least, and I know, I know green and I get into the discussion, even on our own, uh, off and on but the paradigms behind like how classes are chosen and everything right. that's yeah that's actually what's uh what's going on right now in uh live chat which is fantastic because live chat is absolutely a buzz tonight mm-hmm. uh, so thank thank you guys for participating highly so while i while i'm looking at this uh black flag though is uh talking about i like the idea that all guardians have a type of light that they're more attuned towards Yes. Even if they yes. are proficient enough to access all the subclass. And that's I think how it's a I very see it. Key, that's how I see yeah, it. I, I think that's a very key thing to think about because the, w- with, with exception, I would say that the tertiary subclasses are the ones that are a little bit on the, the questionable side, but that's only because they seem like they're so distant from some of the original teachings or feelings, or they, they've made a point to kind of point it out. Like the, the hunters being afraid to to reach into the void because it might turn them into a monster. Uh, the the titans literally having the hammer or uh, the ideas of solar light being ripped away from them out of the city, uh, and then warlocks needing to find that calm and balance between Sunsinger and Nova and uh, the void. It's mm-hmm. it's not that it is something that they can't find, but to become fully proficient in would be the question. And I think that's more the important thing to at least look at. Uh, but again, it comes down to to how that person's overall uh, integrity, how they end up feeling would end up being. And that's something that's very key to kind of uh, keep in mind. Uh, but moving on with another comment, uh, Neoquadal actually says, I feel the character live in a more fluid world than the one the game mechanics uh, represent. And that is a very important thing to kind of keep in mind simply can, because... Yeah, I cannot agree more with that statement. Yeah, like we're... A, a lot of times, like, even as, like, I get involved in a lot of discussions and theories that I have as as spinfoily as I can sometimes get and so on, I still get lodged into this idea of, oh, I have to stick to what I see on the in-game side of things. And we see multiple times throughout Grimoire, we see multiple times even throughout the new lore tabs, this is not necessarily the case. We still see things like the uh, like the Arcblade, for instance, they're still mentioned in a few different places. Uh, we don't have that capability anymore as hunters. Uh, we see that Sunsingers are mentioned. Again, we don't have the capability as Warlocks anymore uh, on the in-game preference. And that's a very big thing to kind of keep in mind besides. There are different teachings, which is also valued by different orders around the, uh, uh, especially with warlocks, 
how many different orders that they have. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But for, for Titans, for Hunters, even if you look at it from the idea of a pack and how a pack can end up transferring on uh, their thoughts and their ideas and their teachings, all of these things kind of just go effectively colloquially with each other. They just they flow well enough. Uh, but we don't see those sides of the story. We see our story. That's as far as it goes. Justin, what do you got? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, the kind of getting back to the multi-classing aspect of it and the, uh, the switching between subclasses. Um, it kind of strikes me a lot, a lot like, uh, the discipline of martial arts. So like when you, when you, when you learn a particular discipline of martial arts, like you, you devote yourself to that discipline. Like, um, but it's, it's not that, it's not that far fetched to say that if you, if you devoted yourself for, for any number of years and through immense training that you couldn't master multiple, multiple disciplines of martial arts and, you know, become a master level of multiple disciplines of martial arts. I actually got to meet a, uh, a 10th degree black belt uh, in American martial arts. And he was 86 years old and, you know, he, it, it took a lifetime to do that. But um, the point is the, the point is that moving between subclasses and mastering just different subclasses isn't far fetched at all for me. Like I don't, I don't view that as being far fetched at all. I mean, it's it's just a matter of discipline and application, and uh, you know, learning the way to best harness the light. And I do I do like the idea from from chat that you know individuals will have a uh, a form of the light that they're specifically attuned to, and that they you know, they will gravitate to that particular discipline, but um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could, uh, you know, master more than one. But I do view view the class um, as more of a, more of a concrete um, definition of who you are, mm-hmm. barring, barring the rare, the rare, you know, um, neo-like individual who can just break all barriers and uh, defy all laws. I'm going to say because even Batman has a favorite fighting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Green, what do you mean? I was just going to reiterate that. It's like just because you can do all three doesn't mean you enjoy or prefer doing all three. Yeah, I mean, just the same as uh, any player. Everyone has their preferred, not just class, but subclass. Right. I mean, how both, I know both you and I, Blue, run Night Stalker almost exclusively. Yep. Yep. I don't, I don't, I don't even run anything else. Uh, I am actually a very weird case in that it depends on how I'm feeling that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I, however, do have to say that I am more attuned to much else, this will probably shock nobody. Void Walker. Yeah. Yeah, when I Can play... I guess for you, Justin? 
Justin, are you a gunslinger? Mm-mm. Mm. No. Orpheus Rig. Yeah, night he's, stalker. he's a night stalker. Uh, he's a night stalker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Orpheus. I mean, just a hunter. I don't. I don't know a hunter alive that doesn't take advantage of Orpheus Rig. Let's. Yeah. yeah Destiny yeah, Des- Des- Destiny Two has definitely gunslinger. made Night Stalker the most popular choice. Like it really. I would has. use Gunslinger if I was going to rob a bank. <laughs> I, hey, 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 hey! When trip mine grenades were still a thing, but that's what I mean. Yeah. Is like I exclusively so the, ran Gunslinger in PvP because I loved making unicorns. I would mm. I would use those to keep the police from following me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing is like I like when I when I run uh, when I do play the Warlock, I kind of do bounce between. Um, Stormcaller and Voidwalker, just simply because mm-hmm. from a like, and that's and that's purely because those mechanics make the most sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. So like that's more of, but yeah, for so I've I've always as soon as we got Night Stalker and Taken King, that was like that pretty much became the only subclass on Hunter I'd I'd run with. Well, and it's it's kind of ironic, and I guess I'll only because it is the Warlock episode. I'll I'll go through my ideas on like how my gameplay style had handled. When I started playing Destiny, I started as a uh, Voidwalker uh, Warlock. Actually, I started as a Titan, but that's another day. Uh, when I what? Had started playing, yeah, I know, right? Uh, but I, when I had started playing Warlock, I was a Voidwalker uh, that had utilized a, uh, a hand cannon. And... Hand cannon, of course, ended up falling out of the the meta for quite a while. There, it was always almost like completely broken. I ended up switching to stormcaller, and I was using pulse rifle like all the time. Then I think it was like Rise of Iron. They ended up bringing hand cannons back into things a little bit more, and all of a sudden, I ended up switching back to utilizing Voidwalker and hand cannon almost all the time. So for some reason, my brain ended up like shifting back into this uh, this this typical measure that I've like always played as. And as soon as I had ended up starting playing uh, D two, and the only option that I had was the Dawn Blade early on, I was like, "This feels so weird." <laughs> because the last thing that I had played was Sunsinger. I barely touched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I could play it. There there was a there was a stint there actually for like a. A few weeks, I was actually a a fairly good sun singer, uh, and then I got bored of it. <laughs> so I have but to ask: for, since you started as a titan yeah. who had hand cannons, did you play with Thorn? <laughs> uh, what do you think? Were so, you a thorny so, brony? Were you were you a Rezel admirer because he was a titan? Yes, yes, he was a Titan. Sorry, um, I didn't know that back then, though. Who, no, who no. Proficiently but... changed to being a warlock, and then I started to use. Wait, it wasn't me. What are you talking about? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I love. I love when I open. <laughs> I opened up Reddit the other day, and I was like, the first thing I saw was so Rezel was a hunter. I'm like, up, oh, nope. Closing Reddit. I'm going away somewhere. Yep. Like I'm <laughs> like I'm like nope. Thing. I'm not opening that. I'm not opening that argument again. I uh, saw that thread and went, guys, really? We've gone over like, this. Nope. I'm going to say, it's now confirmed by the lead writer how this all went down. Come on, guys. Let's just 
Let's just tie this whole knot up and just move on, okay? It's like literally, I saw that was the first thread I saw when I opened Reddit. And I just shut the I just shut the window. It's like, and oh. we're going to a different message board. <laughs> I'm gonna say, and suddenly that's enough internet for one day. Yeah, like, <laughs> nope. But yes, oh. I did commonly use Thorn. Uh, I loved I loved using Thorn back in the day, but it was oh, the only yeah. way to be competitive. As a there. hunter, as a hunter, I use Thorn yeah. proudly because you know what? We didn't have a void subclass when no, we, we got don't. it. And that was oh, a pain. Atheon's yeah. epilogue, baby. Yep, Atheon's <laughs> epilogue. Atheon's <laughs> epilogue and uh was it Song of Your Ute? Was that the heavy yeah, machine gun? Oh my word god. Word of Crota. Or yeah, word, word of Crota yeah, work, yeah. Luck. Oh man. Yeah, but Heck. yeah, Atheon's epilogue. That that fire hose. And uh and a, a a rare. What was um, the shotgun? Fusion rifle. A rare. No, there was uh, a there was sword, a sh- sword breaker. Sword no, breaker, not yeah. not sword breaker. There was because I never got a sword breaker. There was another one. It was was it Joker? Was it the? Ah, there was, there was there was there was another legendary. Oh, wait! It was uh, the the was it the one from Fog? No, 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 no. It was no. just a. It was just found a, verdict no. was art. Found verdict okay. was art, and that thing was like a freaking. That was like an auto rifle that was disguised as a shotgun. <laughs> well, couldn't well, hit, you couldn't hit the broadside of the barn, but oh no! Just, <laughs> if you, if you the first shot, it. you had to aim at their feet. <laughs> <laughs> you hit them in the feet, the belly button, and the chin. <laughs> Don't, uh, it was so true. Body Don't shots for the about- win. Don't forget about Fell Winter's Lie, everybody. Fell Winter, yeah. Mm. You mean Fell Winter's Sniper? Yeah, yeah, really. God, that was. Uh, I, that I gun made Black me hate shotguns. Uh, the comedian, I think that was. The comedian, that's what that it was. was the one. The comedian, yeah. Aha, aha, ha, ha. I love that flavor text. It's, it's mm-hmm. all a joke. It's. Oh man, well let's let's jump back into warlock territory real quick and you know what? i i feel like we should let our our new warlock friend kind of introduce himself since he is a co-host here um and he's he's one of the vendors that green just loves no no one no one's following my tangent random thought oh kind of you kind of oh, yeah. have to like lead that in a little bit better. i got you no i got you not you, Justin. Uh, me. <laughs> so I'm talking about it. I'm talking about Asher. Asher. Yeah. Where's Beard when yeah. we need him? No. I don't think Beard. he's going to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like did I, I actually? Think you're even talking about right now. I don't even understand anymore. You, <laughs> you hunters and your and your knives needing to go and pick your own nails. You're absolutely absurd, all of you. Yeah. Can I say that is still my favorite bit? (laughs) (laughs) That's actually my favorite quote right there. Is the uh, or or his what was what's the one where he's like the one of the public events? He's like, yes, I can tell. Oh, yeah. Well, because of the incessant racket in my head, Mm -hmm. he just starts yelling at you. Yes, uh, like a cabal uh, lander. Yeah, not the lander. It's that. <laughs> Make one it go away. I will. I will spare you the griefs of empty and hollow. Oh God, what's the word? 
I'm trying to think of the the line Am- now. Ambiguity. Um, mm. <sighs> so here's wow. a question. I, I legitimately cannot think of this word. What what is it that you pay? I hate when that com- happens. Compliments. There we go. Good grief! It's such an easy word. <laughs> I will spare you. I will spare you the platitudes of empty and hollow compliments. Ah, uh, uh huh. Mm, but thank you. <laughs> Here's a question, though: Have we actually gotten any new warlock figures in D two? Because Asher, we knew about in D one. Uh, well, we well we learned about him at the very end. Yeah, right. Uh, he was say, to be fair. We learned about all of them pretty well by Age of Triumph, which is the silly thing in a way. Yeah, uh, we did get confirmation yeah. though that the warlocks at least took on nicknames in the Iron Lords because Ash Raven. Yes. Yep. That's true. And I just blanked on what her actual name was, but she was an EXO. Um. Yeah. Who we did that a couple about? weeks ago. Ash Raven. Uh, Ash, Ash we men- Raven. We yeah. mentioned her a few weeks ago in the EXO yeah. episode. I no, Taiko... Ta- sorry, chat's asking. Taiko was a Zen Meteor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, the cause of my sorrow for like a week. Oh my god, such tears. Uh, but- See, this is... This is what happens when you get attached to somebody that you only knew about in one Grimoire card. I know. I was like, wow, <laughs> this, this lady sounds awesome. What? No. It's, no, no. Yep. No, Taiko. No. Embrace nope. the Praxic it's, Fire. No, don't do it. Don't go towards light. <laughs> Stop just pulling like an Tinder. Ariana 3. Just like Tinder. Mm. <laughs> uh, so once again, I must endure the torture of collaborative silence. <laughs> Um, cause yeah, cause we knew about the stoic, we knew about Taiko. Mm. trying to think. Yeah, I don't, I didn't, I'm honestly, I don't, um, wasn't, what was the, oh no, he was just an EXO. The one on the Raven bond where he's like, the Ravens are coming to kill. No, they, he just likes you cause you're shiny. Like oh, it yes. was, oh my gosh, I love that bond. Um, yeah. uh, uh, we did. A, we did learn more about Goliath, um, a little bit uh, of Tuyut. Uh, what mm. you're just making up words now? No, no. Uh, no. Pocket Infinity. Fire Team <laughs> yeah, Pocket Infinity. Pocket Infinity. Pocket. I want it back. More like it. <laughs> yeah, What's up? Don't Rick? act like you use that thing. Come on. <laughs> I did. Thank you. Yeah, when you needed your fusion rifle bounty, that was about it. <laughs> no, when I wanted to enjoy myself, thank you very much, because it was about the only good fusion rifle back in the day. That is true. Uh, Murmur. I liked Murmur. My name, my name's Rex Smith, a class from the Vex Mithro crew, and I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Okay, okay. Some Keep of us talking didn't about get weapons that I class. never got. Same here. Hey, look what? at that. Me and Green can have a shot on me when I, when I end up seeing her in Guardian God. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing for you. I never got Nothing it for me. I never got Vex Mythic. Really? Class. Yeah. Oh, man, that's. Yeah, I never, maybe, never had the chance. I remember, maybe when, you I didn't I remember have... when that first dropped for me. You didn't have Vex appeal. <laughs> oh, honey. Man, you don't even need the. Let me just extend it. 
<sighs> I love the sigh. That's bad. I'm so happy. <laughs> All right. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so satisfied. <sighs> God, I I don't know what I'm gonna do with you one of any of these days, just just so, any of these days. There was a really interesting theory on Reddit. I know we were kind of given Reddit a little bit of a hard time earlier, but there was a theory about how Asher cannot leave IO. Yeah, like I saw that one. He's bound to stay on IO because of the transformation or the I guess the quote unquote Vex flu. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I saw the one that was talking about how he was afraid because mm-hmm. he hasn't been resurrected since his accident. Right. I think they were talking about the same idea okay, with okay. that though too. I didn't I didn't read the, I I must have missed the part where it was because like I didn't I didn't see the part where it was connected to the Vex necessarily. But but well because of the pyramidian. Right, 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 keep, right. What's up? Keep chatting. I'm you you looking for it? Because <laughs> okay. I know I know that he's I, I I swear that one of his dialogue things was about um how he was like he hasn't resurrected since his arm. I don't think he's taken chances. Well, he hasn't because I think because yeah. I, I think the idea is that he's actually kind of afraid that he won't get resurrected. Because oh, remember the, in the in the ghost fragment card that we saw him in, um, mm-hmm. it wasn't just him that got augmented; it was his ghost. That's like, right. Yeah. His ghost also got infected with Vex Tech because yep. instead of the blue eye, it has a red eye now. Well, and this comes back to the uh, Legends and Mysteries card, or at least the category that it got put into from Age of Triumph. The Oh, Earth's yeah, I didn't, I didn't like where mm-hmm. they put those cards. I did not agree with yeah, those categorizations. But yes, it okay. It was really weird. It was. Really I was, I was yeah. trying to organize them. Now, says, as much... Sorry, go ahead. No, no. You go ahead. Your sound is better. Okay. So... As as much as we love to extend this podcast as far as we do, this is a very long card. Very long card. Uh, so if you guys get the chance to read it over, I would definitely recommend to do so. Uh, but this is actually the one, it's the Ghost Fragment Eris Morn. Uh, by all technicalities, if you look it up by the uh, actual uh, Grimoire categories, again, it would be underneath the Legends and Mysteries category. Uh, but that said, this is actually where we end up meeting uh, Asher Mir, quote-unquote, uh, through Eris Morn. We find out that Eris Morn and uh, Asher Mir are fair friends. Uh, they go back to a point, which probably explains why they both talk very similarly. Uh, but largely, we know that Asher and Eris also kind of share common ground, because, of course, Eris kind of lost her eyes and is now using hive eyes and asher lost his arm and is you know kind of using a vex arm now because it sort of started growing there um he's also bleeding radiolaria should uh should point that that piece out which she could probably kind of figure out uh plenty plenty of like weird things that go on with the uh the way that asher is which i want to come back to in a bit too but yes uh his ghost is infected with Vextech. Uh, it actually stands watch while they are inside of the tower's med bay, which kind of comes back to what uh, the idea that he couldn't leave uh, Io might stand to say, maybe not. 
only because he was inside the med bay and that didn't seem to pose a problem. Secondarily, uh, the other question would be how often is it that we end up running the Pyramidian Strike? Uh, and how often does the, uh, does the, the, what's his name? The big jerk. Now I can't think of it. Yes, thank you, Brachion. Uh, how often does Brachion decide to go ahead and steal Asher's arm? Uh, and that's the, the major question that you can end up asking on the, the Pyramidian side. Mostly, mostly because if this is the case, if Brachion is destroyed, that would have been the one that he would have had a quote-unquote direct link with. That might have severed something. Not saying that it reversed anything, but it might have severed something. Uh, at that point, then, I don't know. That that just opens up different questions. Uh, but yes, we're, we're also seeing the... Uh, the one-way ticket of Asher Mir, which is another exotic ship introduced in the Curse of Osiris uh, expansion. Uh, that's, at least by name, would say that he can only go to Io and stay on Io. Uh, alternatively, it could be many different things for him, as we've kind of discussed. Uh, mostly because of, you know, if he dies, can he come back? Will he come back as a Vex? Or will he come back as a? Uh, will he come back as he is at the moment? Uh, alternatively, does it also mean that he has like this scientific venture to figure it out, or he's just going to turn into a vex on his own? You now, these are the these are the questions that are kind of laced when it comes to Ashramir, uh, but also have a bit of a hand with Eris as well. Like, how is it that? she is not being overtaken a little bit more by having those hive eyes. Uh, and this is uh, alternatively al almost kind of talked about with the way that Asher talks with Eris through a letter, and I believe this is on the, the Dune Marchers. I forget now off the top of my head what exactly it is. There is one of the recent lore tabs, though, that brings up uh, a letter to Eris, and Asher asks Eris, mm -hmm, I find mm -hmm. myself wondering uh, or or almost reveling and admiring uh, those that are uh, overtaking, uh, speaking, of course, on the Vex. So this idea of, you know, how both of them are able to deal with the fact that their bodies are being overtaken by these different different things. It's a, especially I, f I find on Asher's side more than Eris's side because Eris speaks in so many more riddles. Yes, Asher has the technobabble. Asher has the technobabble down pat. But once you get around that, you start to realize that he is still very much an awoken warlock and he very much is afraid. You start to realize that there's a little bit more humanality behind him than before. And that's the uh, thing that I think we're we're able to really connect with Asher more on. And it's funny to say that about a warlock a lot of times. Also, I will have to say I like him a lot more when I'm not on IO and I'm standing next to one of those radios when I like land in on the EDZ. He has some of the best lines over radio chatter that I have ever heard, and they are hilarious. Uh the mm -hmm. one where Failsafe sings an aria. Uh-huh. Oh god. It's so good. <laughs> Thank Asher's, you. Oh God! Asher's was response was so funny. 
I mean, I had you're broadcasting on all channels. (laughs) Oh, so good. Yeah. Regardless of the fact that, you know, that aria was a little (laughs) creepy in and of itself. I felt like uh, I felt like the voice actor channeled her inner heiress more than there on that one because <laughs> that was so creepy. Funny. It's it was whatever, funny. whatever. It's like it's six fifteen. It's time yes. for <laughs> uh, and it's just it's just the the collective screams of the dead that she now has within her memory banks from the. Uh, uh, <laughs> Fail safe. I love you. It's okay. Hi. <laughs> oh man. Um. Let's see. So, do you guys want to kind of put the Sunsinger up against the Dawnblade and talk about what our thoughts are on that one? Uh. As far as like, I know we we kind of did that with the other class update episodes with the new the new subclasses. Mm-hmm. I I kind of feel like we almost did earlier in the show too, mm-hmm. just talking about like the the personality debate. I suppose. Um, right, right. That's the one thing I would say. Now, granted, comparing them is is definitely of interest, at least behind their you know, overall tools that they have, uh, what it is that they bring to the battlefield, stuff like that. Uh, it's, a, it's a slightly different take on the way that solar energy is utilized, especially for a warlock, and, and highly for a warlock, because it's more of a, especially, obviously, with Dawnblade, it's more of a uh, offensive take than Sunsinger's uh, defensive resurrective take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thing, yeah. Uh, that I think at least kind of just stands to show the difference between the two. Uh, just their their overall tool sets are very different. I I'm just glad that there is not one class so OP that you could solo Skolas <laughs> now, <laughs> because. Watching Datto and Bife both do that made me sick. Blah. I'm like, I... Oh, that's like watching, That's like talking to Bife while he's soloing the Prison of Elders. Right? Yeah. I was like, Bife, what are you doing? I'm watching Vex get stuck in walls. Okay. I'm going to go back to playing the Division beta, <laughs> which was terrible. Um, E3's announcing Division 2, just I... Hang on, let me check. Let me hang on. Give me a real second. Yep, still don't care. Division two bullet sponge me more. No yeah, story. no. I mean, um, okay. Let me. Let, I'll before I get yelled at for that comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tinks, don't kill me. Um, um, like I no no. Like, I just I I don't I don't get any enjoyment out of playing division. It's just, I never have. I've tried it. I gave it a fair shot, and I just was like, nope, no interest. So, I'm I'm sure I'm not saying that it's a bad game. I just don't care about it. It's just not your cup of tea. No. It's it's developed into a very good game. I have heard that. I've heard that. I have heard that. 
I'm very I, I, and I, I am very happy to hear that they did yes. that. I'm very glad yes. that that is, has happened. I still am not interested in it. I just have a feeling that <laughs> if I were to actually create the video that I was thinking and still am thinking of making, people are going to get very flustered and flabbergasted with me. I'm not going to care. Isn't that normal for you, though? Look, look, this, this <laughs> would be, like, worse than normal, okay? This is crossing some bounds. Okay. <laughs> this is, I have 20, almost 21,000 subscribers. Nope, I'll be at 1,000 overnight. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you wanted to rebrand that, that would be the way to do it, right? Isn't that um, how that works? Say, I, I guess <laughs> there's no other way to push myself to start a new channel. <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's uh, okay. That's let's go back to something that Oh well, and I and I guess the big the big thing for me is, and I and we and we definitely did talk about this a little bit earlier. Um, is is really to and and similar to the other classes and the. Um, evolution of their subclasses when we talked about them, I see this as a a um, transformation in the way that the warlocks use their power, you know, kind of like what you were saying. And, and this is ignoring the game mechanics um, to a degree because I, I understand they had to introduce a new subclass, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But as far as like in game, a, a justification for why we are suddenly recovering these quote unquote ancient subclasses is that, you know, we are we are getting more aggressive as players um, in, in the game. The Guardian, the Guardian story has entered into this era of not just defending the city. No, we're actually pushing back and. That's where you get, you know, the Arc Strider is much more versatile and much more uh, mobile and very much more offensive. Uh, you have the Sentinel, which, I mean, going from a defender, which is a stationary defensive target or defensive entity, to the Sentinel, which is a moving defensive entity, is a very big step into the the offensive realms. Um, I mean, that depends on if it's uh, it's alpha or or, you know, actual live. I'm just saying the bubble used to move. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, did it? Did it move? <laughs> did it move? The in alpha and I think early beta they had it where the 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 you dawn, could move it. Uh, the the bubble could yeah where the dawn could move. So you were literally is, a, in a hamster ball. Because yeah, that's that it's like literally all I can think of yeah. now is a titan running in a hamster ball made out of void. Trust light. me, all I. All I could think about was the movie Bubble Boy. That's exactly yes, what I thought about yes. the entire time. Or the, uh, or the With Jake uh, Gyllenhaal and everything. What was the oh the bo- uh, bolt? The little hamster. Yes. In- yes. I'm gonna kill ya. <laughs> oh, Actually, that's a very very accurate portrayal of Titans. Now that I think about it. Anyways, I will have to um, say I do miss I do miss the bubble. They still have it. They still have it. I they know, just don't utilize just... it as much. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's the only subclass that still has the old subclass ability. They because you can. Yep. I think it's the lower tree. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same vein, though, the Dawnblade is much more aggressive uh, than the Sunsinger. 
You know, the Sunsinger was much more a support, air quotes there, support. Uh, it was intended to be a support like, class. <laughs> I don't know. I played PvP, and they were not very supportive. No, they were not. Style. No, they were not supportive well, of anything. They were annoying. That's uh, stupid that, sticks. Uh, that that's dependent on what discipline rating you gave yourself because that like, and what freaking grenade you, you decided to hold you and your well, many sons uh, I, I mean in pve yeah you were you were spamming the heck out of the mini sun oh no in with, pvp you did it too breakers and no in pvp it was it was usually uh fusion and oh I yeah no that's clearing teams with fusion yeah because that's true. it was broken back in the day everybody everybody anybody miss one hit fusions anybody you want you want to reminisce on that one in general <laughs> hmm. I miss power. I miss power. <laughs> uh, um, I think that's why I still run with Nova Bomb because I'm like, well, at least something can one shot something. Oh my god, the Nova Bomb that chases you is in my nightmares. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the evolution of Liam Neeson. Now it actually <laughs> will. Now it actually will come and find you. Oh god. <laughs> it, used to, it used to be just your stupid little grenades that we you'd throw, and those were bad enough. Now it's mm-hmm. the entire freaking thing. It's like I'm gonna come, and it's it's like the, what makes it worse with the Nova Bomb is it's not fast. Like it's the slowest thing in the world, and it's just that's that makes it even. It's like the Michael Myers, Un- until they uh, you know shoot it, a giant purple Pac Man, yeah. And then, and then suddenly they walk a walk a walk a right over towards you. Oh my god! It walk a walk a walks around the walls. Yup, yup. Uh, so that is my beef with the that. I'm glad that Stormcaller's kind of less powerful than it was in D1. Because I'm sorry, lawnmowers. I I love you, but stop it. Mm. Anyway, that is. What do you think? We've got a pretty good coverage of a lot of things. I'm sure there's more we could go into. Yeah, when, the, when the warlocks actually warlock. have some really fun um, armor sets, mm-hmm. and like, and it's not because it's. It's kind of interesting because it used to be in Destiny uh, One, it was the flavor text that was really interesting. Uh, in Destiny Two, the flavor text is not super interesting. It's still. Got some good bits. It's got some good bits. It's not. It's not as. I don't. I don't feel like it's got as much uh, fun little quips in it. And granted, we we also had like three years worth of it in Destiny One. So, but the name, the name convention of some of the armor sets is really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite ones is the Philomath armor set. Uh, The uh, even the. I mean, even the exotic pieces have some pretty cool. Like aesthetics, I, I kind of am offended that warlocks have the nicest style in Destiny Two as a hunter. Oh my gosh! Right. Um, and we're not gonna. And thank, thankfully, Mel's not here because she went off <laughs> when we first had Destiny Two. <laughs> she was so unhappy about that. Um, yeah, especially in the, is totally a thing. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's and I guess the weird thing is for me, it's like it's. Hunters have always been described as like the ones who actually really care <laughs> about this the aesthetics of their their 
their gear. Whereas the Warlocks and Titans have always kind of, that's secondary. It's not that it's not important, but it's kind of secondary. And so for for the Warlocks to have the most aesthetically pleasing gear, I'm like, eh. I mean, no one really cares the Titans. The Titans had a platypus armor, for God's sake. Like, they didn't, they didn't, they're, whatever. I love the bubble armor for Titans now. It's so <laughs> okay. funny. The the Michelin Man armor set is pretty awesome. Like I, mm-hmm. but it's not because it's aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not. You look Just like seeing T Rex as a yellow. You look like, you look like man. a. You look like a dinosaur that got stuck by something you're allergic to you have your short stubbly arms and it's just like the ridiculous poofy armor oh my gosh but but yeah the look of the warlock just even the exotics look really cool in comparison yeah the the, wings wings of sacred dawn i love that i mean it's a little much it's a lot of gold but, but the, uh, what was, oh no, what's, Beard, what's the one with the, is it Eye of Another World? The crazy the helmet? helmet that looks yeah. like it's a galaxy? Yeah, yep. that's so cool. That's the one I yep. I have on mine, on my Warlock. I just, I love that, the way that looks. Um, I'm trying to think, I think. Well, I'm going to say, should we, uh, should we bring up the. The the gloves that shall not be named. Which one? The because, Sunbreakers. Well, there's those, but I was more, I was more talking about ones about Aspic and Duff. Oh, um, yeah, Tol- Toland's unofficial, totally official gloves. Yeah, Ophidians. Aspects. Yeah, the Ophidians. Yeah, what gross? What's up, <laughs> what's up with that one? Can you can you tell us? Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, do you mean gameplay-wise because of how absolutely broken they are, or... <laughs> Have I the aspic on my lips? Yeah. They, they, uh... <laughs> I always was, like, wondering who it was that, and excuse my tippy-taps, uh, I always wondered who it was that owned these things, because they... They fit so well for uh, what I would say uh, Toland would have behind him. And lo and behold, we end up getting uh, a, a little bit of confirmation behind it because of the, the text that actually is, is backing these. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I got it. You've got it? If you want to mm-hmm. read it, go ahead. If not, I got it here. Okay. Have I the aspic in my lips? A torn and crumpled journal page found on the street in the city. Not his lessons I remember so much as the words we exchanged in passing. I recall a trivial argument we had over some tale from the Golden Age. It might have been some might have been a love story or a tragedy. A proud queen, forsaken by a lover obsessed with his past heroism, chooses to preserve her dignity in death rather than endure humiliation. He brought it up as an example of why we should not fear death, but even as he spoke, I thought to myself, what about those who look to her to rule, those whose lives depend on her own? Now, looking back, 
It strikes me that he talked with the arrogance of one who can always return from the void. One who has contemplated the darkness so long he thinks of it as a friend of sorts. And for me, when I ended up seeing the things about the void, we know that Toland utilizes the void pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that he was also a sun singer, though, in small part, uh, at the very least. And he always talks about his analogy with the uh, queen. So seeing it here again on these gloves really makes me think that these were Toland's gloves at one point or another, which is pretty darn cool, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's a lot of like little little bits that they've kind of done with some of the other Warlock gear. Uh, but that one, at least to me, screamed that it was like really, you know, that this is uh, this is from the once great Toland that we will never probably hear from again, except the, for hmm? the last line is what gets me. One yeah. who has contemplated the darkness so long, he thinks of it as a friend of sorts. Right. I mean, it could very well be in referring to Toland. There's a few others that it theoretically could refer to as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it also confirms my long-held theory that Toland eats meat jelly. Yep. 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 Also Wait. snakes. He enjoyed snake. Meat jelly? Yeah, that's aspic. basically what aspic is. Right. It's yeah. a savory jelly made with meat stock. He is set in mold and used to contain pieces of meat. <laughs> Seafood or eggs. Literally it sounds like fart fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making that lighter because I was just slightly getting grossed out over here. Who who let you out of your cage, Justin? I don't who, know. Who let you let you out of your cage? God. Gosh. <laughs> I always assumed that that term meant having to do with an asp. Mm. Like a snake, yeah. Right. Yeah, like. Um, but then that makes no sense. Well, and it it does in the sense of the you know the the actual look of Ophidians because you've got the the twin serpents yeah. that are kind of like twisting. How would you have the aspic on your lips? In your lips. Oh, oh, in I know. your lips. In your lips. It's yeah. It's like what is in that called? Lips. Yeah, it's like what are you called when you get your lips poofed out? The plastic surgery. Botox. Botox. Yeah. Yeah. And that technically is a type of poison, generally. So, this is, these are Tolan's gloves, and he's allergic to meat jelly. He's injecting himself with snake venom. I think he's eating meat jelly because he's allergic to it, and he knows his lips will puff. (laughs) (laughs) Added uh, the bit in the center uh, with the Ophidian's aspects. There's a a, gl- a a sphere, I, I wanted to say globe, but there's a sphere that turns between the two serpent heads. And it always mm-hmm. made me think of an oversoul for some reason. So, anyway. well, it's kind of green. Yep. It's uh, really green. Unless you shade it. Because let me tell you, it ain't green after you shade it. Mm. <laughs> well, um, also, the word ophidian means. Uh, a reptile of the group Ophidia, which is 
the snake, mm-hmm. the legless ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's unsettling. The twin snakes <laughs> revolving around something that reminds me of the medical symbol. Kind of reminds me of Falsa Doom, but that's just me. <laughs> also okay. makes me think of a remake for Metal Gear Solid 1, but who's counting? Um, Solid Snake. <laughs> You're talking about the rod the... of the skip police. <laughs> yeah. That was, yes. Yes, yes. That was, that was it, Green. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, one other big exotic that I think is fair, well, I'm going to say Transversive Steps also comes back with a vengeance, and I feel like that's kind of a, a cool one to talk about just because of the theory. Same with Starfire Protocol, because we hear mm-hmm. a little bit more behind what the protocol is. Uh, but the other one that's been questionable is Karnstein Armlets. Mm-hmm. Oh, real and, quick. Sorry. Yeah. Real sorry. quick. Uh, I, I misspoke. It's not the rod of Ascipolius. It's the Catechaeus. Uh, Ascipolius mm. has one snake and no wings. The Catechaeus has the two snakes and the wings. Just sorry. Um, also, the aspic in my lips, that's from Shakespeare. Uh, for mm. anyone who might not be familiar with that, that's the Cleopatra and Antony. Uh, bit their death scene is from that's the actual quote is have I the aspect in my lips um dust fall and so that's their <laughs> that's their that's actually their death their death their mutual suicide I guess mm-hmm. um, it's another version of Romeo and Juliet but right better well because it actually some somewhat accurate but not like historically accurate, but it was actually oh, no. kind of along the lines of, I don't know, someone who wasn't an emo and throwing <laughs> a tantrum. I hate Romeo and Juliet. It's the freaking terrible, but, um, anyway, say, I couldn't tell. Yeah. It, it's, uh, anyways, um, have I the aspect in my lips is a nod to that. It's a quote from, I think it's act five. Um, in Anthony and Cleopatra from Shakespeare. The other thing that I also always think of is we only really have a couple characters who have, who have actually kept journals in destiny. And that would be covalence and teamer. Yeah. And so, Oh, go for it. Go for it. Just a side note on this. This is one of the times that they remember a golden age story or they're talking about a golden age story. Well, Raul has a lot of mentions of things that he's dug up through uh, cryptology because uh, mm-hmm. he, he talks about Plutarch. There's There was a throwaway idle dialogue line where he was confused about smut uh, in Destiny 1, which was absolutely one of the most odd oddest things to hear him talk about. Um, also Guardian Jousting. Guard, yeah, the yeah. Guardian Jousting. Um <laughs> And then, like the well, like the uh, the Fabian f- strategy was him. Yeah. So, like, there's there's a lot of uh, nods right. to him. There's, and then um, Zavala has, of- or Zavala has all the text of um, the Art of War uh, mm-hmm. and all that. There, there. I mean, so there there are some throwbacks to uh, the Golden Age and pre Golden Age text. I mean, uh, Nezrak. You know, Nezarak is a pre-Golden Age text. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I it's not unheard of. The grumbling. 
we were talking about Karnstein's armlets too. That one's actually an EXO. Mm-hmm. Yes, un- unless you take it from the uh, Hammer Horror trilogy, in which case it's absolutely nothing. But that's for a different discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the the implications that exist here, uh, we talk about bones a lot in Destiny's armor, especially when it comes to like Ahamkara. Mm-hmm. And how they end up uh, feeding back into like the ideas and thoughts of the uh, wielder and owner of the pieces of equipment. Uh, it's argued and thought on how bad Juju also could have affected uh, how Toland was acting, and so on. Uh, but we definitely know that like the weapon of sorrow had some implemented thoughts within the wielder's minds. Uh, there were, you know, bones are a very big thing. And I, I make this a point because of the way the Karnstein armlets are, are written up. And if you look at what is on the glove themselves, it looks like it's scale. And mm-hmm. it's the first time that at least I know of that we have these scales that are kind of listed as like, a means of talking back unless you end up looking further and you look at the white bands that are there are those bone or are they just like a plastic weave that's there or if you end up looking at the uh black shapes that are like uh, the the pyramid overlay scales almost that are also over top of the black and red scales are these somehow some kind of uh computer mesh if you will they're they're like able to keep these things uh to keep these memories that you hear of in this uh lord tab uh piece together and i had to i i still don't really have an answer for it but i just find it interesting because and i'm gonna of course read over this because it it points it out very very much within the first line that this is something that's speaking to you and again, we only really knew about that from like the Ahamkara and a couple other, uh, a couple, a couple other pieces of equipment, uh, especially like uh, Graviton Forfeit and uh, what was the other big one? The Stag. Uh, those are another another couple of them. Ooh, the Stag! I almost forgot about the Stag. Um, but I'll read over the Karnstein armlet while I have them here. Mm-hmm. You are mine. You shall be mine. You and I are one forever. As you test the armlet, a regal voice sounds mine. Listen, I made this armlet to help you in your quests. Will you help me in mine? I remember a woman from my last life. I remember she was mine, my love, my wife, and I was hers, her love, her wife. I remember nothing else except the hole in my heart. I live in hope that she, too, has been reincarnated and somewhere on this new earth. I built this armlet and a neuromesh trowel, uh, with a neuromesh trowel. I will scour whatever mind it touches, flesh or machine, for any hint of my beloved. The trowel will drink power to feed you, and if anyone you touch has seen my wife, the trowel will know. If, only, and ever if, I have remembered her truly. So, obviously, so sounds like, what's that? So sad. So sad. Um, 
it, there's an obvious piece behind uh, the way that this is kind of like talked about as somebody seems to have put these gloves together for your character or warlock or otherwise. But that's the the big thing that I uh, that I wanted to kind of at least point out. Uh, Blue, I think you had something. Yeah. So real quick, um, the opening quote. You are mine. You shall be mine. You and I are one forever. Um, that's actually from Carmilla, uh, right, yep. which is uh, a, a Victorian kind of uh, is a very very risque for the especially for the time risque um, vampire story about the mm-hmm. Countess of um, yep. I can't God I just blanked on the region that she was in, but um, it was written by J Sheridan La Fanfu Fanu 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 I think. Um, and it's actually, it's, it's a very good read actually. Um, if you have the stomach for it, cause there's some really twisted things that happen in the story, but, um, it's a very, very, very important piece in the evolution of vampiric mythology. Uh, it's all, it's up there with Dracula as far as, um, as far as, uh, you, uh, can go for the influence on modern vampire mythos. But that that line is actually directly from Carmilla, um, and so yeah, it's I just I found that interesting. And then you had um, I know you mentioned it, the Karnstein trilogy, which was also uh, about vampires. And um, interestingly enough, there was the they were all female, and. So that was, and that was, that was again another thing that was a little bit kind of risque for the time being or the time that it was. And they were all, I think, weren't, if, oh man, I cannot remember that one because it's, I remember looking at the plot of it and it was like really confusing and not at all anything that I cared about when I was researching the vampire mythology, um, which is not, you know, super surprising. Um, but yeah, sorry. I was just like, you said that quote and I was like, oh man, that's, that's vampiric. Yep. Vampiric possession right there. Like completely, mm-hmm. which it goes towards the, the neuromech troll concept. Right. That was, that's a very common understanding of vampire vampiric power is the mind reading and the mind control. So yes. And green, that is true as well. The, the, uh, Lesbian type themes is very strong in all of those stories. Uh, Carmilla and the Karnstein trilogies were predominant in that particular aspect. But um, I think we've hit quite a bit. Yeah, Any now I, now I want to do a snapshot on the Karnstein omelets. Thanks, Boo. I I will help you with that one. <laughs> Cause that one, that one has, I forgot about, I forgot about the connection to Carmilla on that one until you, literally until you read that quote and I was like, Oh, that's She's literally Countess Karnstein, by the way. Yeah. Who? Camilla. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, that was the first thing that I had ended up looking up on it. And I know my first like gut reaction was well this doesn't really have like a lot of tiebacks that we can really like 
fall back to on lore, and I started reading it again, I'm like, no, no, it's there. It's yeah, there. it's there. It, it's it's really outlandish, and it makes me think that vampires really existed, and that's you know destiny is totally approving of it. Well, uh, the hive, the hive are vampires, and then also <laughs> some of the void, void walker abilities, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. vampiric tendencies. But the hive, I mean, the hive literally, the hive yeah. literally suck the light out of things, and light yep. is a life animating power, which is very in line with the Eastern concept of vampiric mythology. Because right. the East view um, the East view vampires as uh, siphoning out chi, not blood. Blood is only used in Western mythologies because they saw that as the seat of the life. Uh, whereas the the East, the Far East, kind of view it as a spiritual energy. The Western always kind of had the more physical component, um, which is where you get like the ancient the ancient concepts of like balancing the fluids in mm. in ancient Greece and stuff like that, that was a very Western thought process. And so that's where you get this, the, actually it's a really interesting schism in the, the origin of the vampire mythology because the original vampire mythology from like India uh, was actually more in line with the far East. Uh, it was, it was a very spiritual corruption and spiritual cannibalism almost. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the whole thing with the vampiric underlying current is especially prevalent within, within destiny. Sorry, I'm reading chat. I'm I'm reading chat. Like, I'm like, I'm like, sorry, I, I broke beard again. It's fine. I I now blame green for the, the way that my thoughts are going. So, um, hang on. Let me get my book so I can write that one down. Right. Well, and the, the reason I kind of fixated on Carmilla is because that's what I actually did. My, uh, my thesis in college on was Hmm. the vampire mythos between Dracula and Carmilla. And then the right. Victorian view of death. Nice. So that that's something that actually I'm kind of I'm 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 somewhat versed in. Um, but so let's let's do uh, final final thoughts, shout outs for the team. I know Justin, you got it. You got an early morning tomorrow. Do you want to? Yeah. Lead the way. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um. Yeah, just a big shout out to the whole team and uh, everyone who wished me happy birthday. I turned 36 over the weekend. I sent you unicorns uh, and dancing horses. And no snakes. And I did not send you snakes. It was my one day of respite. um, (laughs) Respite. Which which I appreciated. Um, Yeah, and, and just otherwise, just... Everybody in the focus fire and uh look forward to seeing y'all next week. Hopefully yeah. we're not I'm not so tired. <laughs> Beard, what about you? Um uh, well, kinda like Wednesday. I don't really have too much because my life has just been focusing on life for the most part. So thank you to all of you for Again, just being an outlet that I've been able to lean on uh, over the past month, really, uh, to make sure that I am not absolutely losing my mind on 
you know, wanting to do any any of this stuff or try to do any of this stuff full time. Uh, I thank you all for just listening to my crazy rantings and finding value in it wherever there might be, because I'm still trying to figure that one out. Uh, but that's a me level. Uh, but again, thank you guys for just, you know, being around. I, I can't thank this community enough for just being here, being you. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And Green, what about you? I actually am going to shout out to all of our new people that are kind of jumping on, uh, especially those of you who are jumping into live chat. I see uh, a fairly, from what I can tell, like on Twitter and everything, a fairly new follower with one fox two fox three fox four which a i love that name because it throws um, me back to okay sorry to interrupt i just saw Gross. what he just said in chat and that's amazing uh-huh. justin uh-huh. i am totally saving that for next year uh-huh <laughs> another so, <laughs> green please please read that yes, i will uh fox and i have been chatting quite a bit on twitter which is why i i brought him up but he posted in twitter a um a happy birthday statement for justin and it says another year slithered up on justin shed off last year's skin gross (laughs) if you show me another animal so evil so evil that its own skin resents it and can only be around for just a little while before it leaves. Justin, your skin does that. It just doesn't do it all at once. Look, if I could molt a Justin casing and leave it at work where people would think I was working, I would. So you want to be a cicada? Yeah. Oh, was it, wasn't it? Wasn't your shout out a couple of weeks ago the Ouroboros? <laughs> Because it's the only snake yeah. that does the honorable thing. <laughs> eat yourself. Hashtag, hashtag eat yourself. Aww. Hashtag eat yourself. But uh, yeah, my shout out goes to all of our newer followers slash Twitterverse people slash Discord people. It's I you know it surprises me still that people are still jumping on, which is awesome and I love it and I love talking to you guys. So keep it up. Definitely. And I, for me, um, like I said, the, the topic next week is going to be on the nine. So please be sure to send your thoughts in on that one. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised there was there's a really big or well, not really big, but a, a very positive response to the snapshot series that we um, that we had or that I'm, I'm kind of trying to throw together. So I'm trying to keep that up on a monthly basis for right now it's been extremely busy uh as as you might know if you're in the discord chat um so i'm trying to keep that up but uh yes green thank you for reminding me the question for next week is going to be what does the horse represent in the spire so excuse me (laughs) justin justin is very excited to hear your answers to this one um but yeah so let's let me run through an outro and then we'll probably stay for a little bit of a little bit of an after show with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new focusfirechat.com Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any questions or comments for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback 
and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. Thank you.